and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. It's finally time for Warrior Nun. Get ready. Because how often do you have a show about nuns? Never. We, we just don't get that for reasons. But so when I saw there was something coming out called Warrior Nun back in the day when season one did come out 93 years ago, I was very intrigued. And as soon as it came out, I devoured the entire thing. It is quirky and campy and it head on tackled religion and kind of made fun of it, but also took the consequences of it seriously. And it was one of the most interesting series to consume and digest, but it left me with a need to pick apart all of the components so I could understand what the showrunners are trying to tell us. And now I have the perfect people to do that with. So (laughs) 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 all right. Um, So we've all watched the series. Don't make fun of me right now. She's making fun of me. It's fine. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> oh, from Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> when, uh, oh, Titus does his oh. like. Gotcha. Yep. <laughs> All right. No, I'm here for that. I am here for that. Okay. It's appropriate. appropriate. <laughs> it's perfectly appropriate. So exactly. we have to start this where the whole series starts, and that's with Ava. She's so cute. so it's ava the good the annoying the smart ass she's all of these things um and you have to kind of put yourself in her shoes unfortunately we do that with voiceovers which is not my favorite form of storytelling in a show i feel like it's lazy however we deal with it and When we first meet Ava, she's a quadriplegic in an orphanage. She's 19 and she's about to age out of the orphanage. And where the hell else is she going to go? Nowhere. And we also meet the nun that primarily takes care of her, Sister Frances, who I think Caitlin would have interesting conversations with because she likes to murder people. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering if you were going to come back on that. No, Caitlin just made because, some interesting. Like, the amount of things that are said, I feel like people are going to start thinking that I've murdered someone. And I'm like, I promise I did not. Disclaimer, we're not condoning murder in real life. Caitlin is not a murderer. She just said that thing in the book club episode about not minding the murder. There was a lot more outside yeah. of episodes, but like, promise, I'm not. We're not pro murder here. In real uh, life. In real life. So, Ava never got to be a normal child because she has been 
in this orphanage since she was a little, a, a wee babe of what was the thing was seven. And um, she goes straight from being a quadriplegic to having to like being alive again and also having divine power like she's now a superhuman. So it's a very big change. She can walk for the first time and we get a lot of scenes in the beginning of her being so excited about actually being able to move her body how she wants to. And that has to be the one of the most liberating things in the world. I can't imagine going from one extreme to the other. And so she's also having to process all of these things. She's never been outside that. Uh, she's never been outside the, the orphanage. And so she doesn't know how to do anything in the world. She's practical. She's an innocent in a way, though she has obviously consumed some media and read books. So she knows some things that are going down, but she doesn't know how to move through the world. And she meets up with some randos who we don't really care about. The main person that's important is the dude who's her love interest, Ew. JC. And I'm like, did you guys do that on purpose? Because JC, Jesus Christ, I don't. His name is JC. I, I yeah. guess I really did not. Yes. I was too busy staring at Ava. That's perfectly valid. Yeah. But yes, his name is JC, and he's not annoying. But the situation, like, why do we need that? Like, I know, no, like, like, he's actually very supportive of her. Yeah, he and like is very a good guy. kind and sweet to her. Like, he's a good guy. It's just he's I not like, someone else. Also, like, what yeah. is this plot line? I don't care. Get Beatrice. back to the nuns. <laughs> Can we not have more? Like, we didn't need all of this outside. We I don't need the care. nuns. <laughs> yeah, get to the nuns. Yeah, like, like the rest of the plot. I'm just like, enough with this. There's too much we needed to figure out. I have no idea what this show's about, by the way. I, I've watched it one and a half times. And the plot is still confusing me a little bit. Maybe because I refuse to call these people by their actual names. It's because it's not really revealed until the end. Like, they slowly reveal what's going on. It's, yes. It's the, and so at the end, you're like, oh, we'll exactly. get into it in another section. But yeah, that's why. So one and a half times makes sense. Like the, <laughs> at the end, they tell yeah. you what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry, Brie. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. But yeah, it's, the randos. Ugh, the randos. We don't really, we don't the randos serve a purpose in the plot. And that's about it. Aside from JC, who is more in it than the others. But I still think that the way Ava dealt with the whole situation, I don't know. I don't know if it was done well enough or not. So she's got this halo in her back put there by the person who was supposed to transfer the halo into the next warrior nun. And she just happened to be a convenient dead body uh, hanging around. So now she's got this thing in her back and all these people are after her for different people and demons are after her for the different reasons. And she's in a sea of what the hell do I do and how do I get through this? The girl has no money, has no. So, yeah, the randos serve that purpose as a landing place for Ava 
before the nuns find her. Because so Ava, that's all. Ava is running away from her responsibilities. <laughs> so. Ava doesn't even know what her responsibilities are. Right. She, she, can finally, she can finally <laughs> run. Just let her run. Yeah, she's like, oh man, I can run. This is cool. She doesn't know what she's supposed to be doing or like why she had, she didn't ask for this. She's just there. And like they just stuck her in this situation. Super fun times. The thing I enjoy about Ava. Okay, the positives. She tells the same kind of jokes that I do. Bad puns, dad jokes, that kind of thing. Uh, Probably why I like her. She cute. Just like you. Oh, stop. (laughs) Then there are points at which I'm like, you're being annoying, girl, so stop. And that's not due to the actress. That's just the writing. That's like the writing annoyed me a little bit uh, of that character. And like, I get it, but... It still annoyed me sometimes. And that's pretty much all I got to say about Ava. Anybody got something else? She's really cute. She is cute. <laughs> She's pretty. Um, know- Her waking ahead, up and just literally screaming... I don't know. She's just she's a great actress, I feel like. She's a good like, yeah. You can I was not a good like actress. The, yeah, she's a yeah, she you can only work with what you're given. Mm-hmm. And Nope, I have no idea where I'm going. Continue. No, so there's no she, point at which I doubted her skill. It's been a long day, okay? Alright. Theora has a problem with the reluctant hero trope, and uh, I would like her I, to expand upon it. Yeah, I don't like Ava, <laughs> generally. <laughs> if you're an Ava fan, I'm sorry if this makes you mad. She like annoys the crap out of me for most of the show, because she falls under the reluctant hero trope, which I don't like in general. I honestly hate that trope. I particularly don't like the way it is done here, and I think it has part partially because it's like a teenager and this is all like teenage crap where it's like and it gets and Ava gets called out on this as the show goes on but Ava is incredibly selfish and her actions are incredibly selfish and I can't stand that in this situation because there's all this crap that happens that's bad directly because of her being selfish like what happens to Lilith and like basically like it, it drags out the plot because it's like can you just can you just do this so we can move on? But instead we have to go with the randos for like six episodes because you won't just like accept what's happening. It's like, you're just running from it. I understand why she's doing it based on her past and all this stuff. It's just so annoying because it drags the plot out for me and I hate it. She has no life experience. Yeah, I understand that. But like (laughs) you were dead. Then this magical thing literally brought you back to life that does not belong to you. And it's like, hey, this thing you have that's keeping you alive comes with a bunch of obligations. Bye, Caitlin. Bye, Caitlin. 
if you want to stay alive, you have to do them. And she's like, no, it's mine. And just runs away like a selfish child. And I fucking hate that because it just drags everything out because I'm like, eventually you're going to have to accept this because you have this unnatural thing that comes with burden. Like you're going to have to accept it. Like, just can we move the story along? I just hate that because it just for me, it drags things out. That did that did uh, was way too long. And then right. at it some point she went long. back and I was like. Wait, when did she go back? Because, like, that was a very quick turn, too. It's so annoying. So I'm yeah. like, how did she... Ad- I didn't even make it to there the second time of her right. going and, back there. And it's like, I get you want your freedom. I do understand that. Like, you know, you're a victim of circumstance. Absolutely. You got dealt a shitty hand. You have every right to be angry by the way you were treated in the orphanage. I get that. But, like, your situation right now is so bonkers. Like, there is no fighting it. Like, that's what's so annoying. It's like, you're fighting it and you're making the whole world worse while you just are being selfish. And it's just dragging out this random plot line I don't care about. So like, for me, I just found it's her behavior super annoying sometimes because it's such a like, it's such a selfish teenager thing. And I just, I hate it. I hate it. I feel it. like it could have been written in a different way. And I agree. Would have been better. Right. It just, but... it dragged out. And it just, it made, it painted her as selfish. And she gets called out for being selfish. Cause like there's later, I forget who she, I think she's talking to Mary. And Mary yeah. calls her out and she's like, listen, I understand. When you were in the orphanage, everything revolved around you because it had to, because you couldn't do any, like basically like you were trapped in that room and like everything had to revolve around you because you couldn't go out. Like I get that. But she's like, you're not in that situation anymore and you're still behaving like you are. And it's like, be a fucking adult. You know, and then Mary shares her backstory where she's like, I had a shitty hand too, where I was basically an orphan because of what happened with my mom and she was imprisoned for life and all this stuff. And like, I had to grow up and I couldn't be selfish anymore. So it's like Ava refuses to to under like accept that her situation has changed in this crazy way. And it just, I hate it because it just drags things out. It's like, get over it. Ugh. The voiceover thing also really fucking annoying. There's way too much of it. It it steadily like declines as the as the episodes go on, but like the voiceovers with Ava gets so annoying after a while. It's like dude, I think I blocked most of them out while watching it. It's so boring. <laughs> I don't. I don't personally like it as storytelling. I wonder if they figured out that it wasn't really working as well as well, the c- c- series went. I think so. And like, again, in the beginning, it's because she's isolated and has no one to talk to. And so it's kind of like, that's how it was in the orphanage. She had the one kid, but most of the time she's just in her head. So I think it's a comic book translation too, perhaps, because this comes from a comic book series too, like Paper Girls. And so maybe that's just, that's a reflection of the format changing to television and how to like show her inner monologue. But it just, it was a lot. Just Alba's a good actress. You got to trust her. She can convey it with her face. Also, we don't trust the, her to do it. The comic series revolved around Shannon, so there Which, was none of this. Interesting. I I would. I love how they Shannon. just killed her off right in the beginning. They're like, you know what? This is not the comic book. Goodbye, Shannon. I didn't read the comic book, so I can't comment. It didn't. I couldn't Uh-oh. find it, and it was like fifty bucks, and I was like, ah, uh, 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 not the most available, um, but um. Go ahead, Thee. Oh, unless you want to talk about the comics. I was gonna, I have more Ava No, things. no, no, go. Okay, cool. So I will say the first time I liked Ava, because she, like, she annoyed me until like episode three, when she finally gets back to the nunnery, I don't whatever it's called, and, and uh, or the cloister, whatever it's called. And she has her sparring lesson with Lilith and Mother Superior. I do love no, that scene. Because 
it's so good because she doesn't annoy me in the scene because she's just she's trying to navigate the situation and oh my god mother superior with weapons hot i i have something to say that's not related but you can continue that first that was all i had to say about that i like that scene i like that scene but i just want to point out something Bree and I were writing questions for something, and I said, a stick. And she's like, it's not a stick. And I'm like, it's a stick. It's a cane. I watched it, and they're like, stick. I'm like, see? It's a stick. Just say it. I just had to bring that up. They called it a stick multiple times. Okay. It's a walking stick slash cane. It's the, the, well, no, the it's stick not... they give, they give... Oh, um... oh, Mother Superior's weapon, sorry. No, 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 not Mother Superior. That's where my brain, my brain goes to her, sorry. Just, yes. Mm-hmm. No, 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 the actual just superior. little stick. The fighting batons? Yeah. Well, and they're called a particular type of... It has the word stick in it, we'll just uh, say that. I see. Yeah. Um. Uh, I just don't let things go. I'm trying to get Sorry. Uh, where, where? It's an issue. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to point to say that it's called Warrior Nun. Oh, yeah. Arela. The whatever the first Warrior Ariella. Nuns. Ariella. Yeah. Yes. Because they say it in there. And I was like, oh, that's where they're getting right. this name from. So the current Ariella in the comics is Sister Shane and Masters. The best and brightest of them all. Um, so she's leading everybody in the good against evil thing, serving with the Lord and faith and humility, appearing on and off for 20 years since her first appearance. It's uh, create the creator Ben Dunn's favorite character. I can see that. Yeah. Even from the so, glimpses we get in the show, Shannon is, I don't know if we're going to talk about her somewhere else, Shannon's fucking awesome. Um, we talk about her a little bit later on, but cool. in the women's section. Ooh, the women. <laughs> Come on down yeah. to the women's section. <laughs> on down. The women's we section. Have to get right. through, okay, we have to get through the tough one first. And the no, tough totally. one is religion section. Ugh, yes. But well. do we have a death section? Like, what? A death do we have what? a death section? Why would <laughs> no, we have we a death not. section? Why? Because I have a random point about death. Huh? What? I guess I'm make it now years. because I don't know what's going on. I just wanted to know what ugh, I have to sneeze. Why all TV shows have like a death catchphrase? Like they're like in this life or the next, oh. and then the hundreds like may we meet again, and all that, and like that type of stuff. Because well, that's how that- humans do things. It also ties into literally the next section, yeah. which is religion. Religion. So in this religion, there is an afterlife. So basically what there's, it, it's like a, it's, it's, Beatrice says it later where she's like, hey, you're, you're part of our group now. You are a part of this. I sisterhood. Sisterhood. Yeah. We'll never leave you even after death. That's what they're saying to each other. It's like, hey, if you, even if you die, we're still with you. Like. It's a way of saying goodbye without saying goodbye, basically. Mm-hmm. In case we die, um, yeah. I'll still see you, I'll in, see the you in the next life. Like, yeah, it's goodbye. It's That's the what it order is. of the cruciform sword, but she more right. 
It is their goodbye in the sisterhood. Yeah. Because they believe in an afterlife in this group. Precisely. Or in the religion. It's like, Um, so war, it it stems from like, not just like mythology and like religions, but like warriors do that. It's like, you know, in case we die, because they're, in case we die on the battlefield, like, I'll see you in the next life or like maybe, maybe we meet again. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's one of those things. It's like a brotherhood, sisterhood, just type of goodbye, basically. Without saying goodbye. Um, yeah. That's a cultural thing. Some cultures do things like that. That's what they're trying to show, that culture and what they believe in, in terms of goodbyes. Okay. Um, all I have to say about, or at the beginning of my thing with religion, I have a... Because we're back again to religion and it's such a it's such a polarizing topic in general. So it's kind of hard to talk about in some respects, but in this show you cannot avoid it since we are literally dealing with Catholic nuns. Literally. And we are in a sea of religious trauma from the beginning, (laughs) dealing with the fact that one of the freaking nuns killed Ava. as her form of mercy but i think it's just because she enjoys murdering people Uh, well there's also like she there's a quote in i think the first episode where the nun refers to ava as a burden Mm -hmm. so i'll never understand this weird thing that people who claim to be christians do when it comes to like the disabled and the poor and the sick because like wasn't jesus's whole thing like i will take give me your tired your poor the sick like i will i will heal them i'll take care of them he was a caretaker like a healer and then to have his disciples or nuns who are married to jesus be like wow i have to take care of you you're a burden so like the i think the nun killed her not out of mercy but she's like i'm tired of dealing with you yeah no that's that that's part of it the, which yeah, is selfish like, that's a not christian like <laughs> No, this Mercy, woman is yeah. obviously not an actual Christian. She's right. Yeah. I believe some I'm kind using of my power to yeah. myself. I think she you. got off on that too. Yeah. It's a she's in a position of power. She has power yeah. over Ava and she's just like flaunts it. And that's so not a people who te- say they are Christians. That's not what you're supposed to behave yeah. like. That is not mercy or like kindness. That's the complete opposite. Yeah, so it's, like, really fucked up. So, like, you understand why Ava is so, like, defensive and... Because, like, this is how she was treated. She was treated like a burden, and so she developed this layer of humor to protect herself that only further infuriated this nun to the point where she's like, I'm gonna kill you. Like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is super fucked up. And then comes back and tries to kill the boy, even though he's nowhere near aging out. Also, yeah, like, right, and, like how was that that kid was super sweet like where was he a burden that's what i mean i don't it's framed first as like ava personally annoyed this woman but then it's like no she's just got this weird power trip thing where she's like i'm gonna decide to put you out of your misery so you can be with god but it's like away from me it's ridiculous like you're just using that as an excuse to murder i also think that the boy knew too much for sure. He seemed like he was very, I don't know why he truly, I don't know. I guess he was just, was straight up an orphan and not like, um, needing an, cause it almost it's seemed not, like not just, it did, it seemed like not just an orphan, but like a hospital wing. So I don't know if like he yeah. had something where he required medical attention like Ava did. Well, yeah, because he was deteriorating in health. 
that's why she mm-hmm. killed him. Ugh. Ridiculous. Okay, so then I guess, yeah, maybe it was his time in her eyes. He was becoming too much of a burden to care for, which, wow, she doesn't unpack. Well, she can't anymore. <laughs> Good. <laughs> There's no unpacking that for sister fuckface. <laughs> sister fuckface! <laughs> I have that my own name for these characters too, Caitlin. Ever her name? <laughs> uh, lesbian Jesus her does name not starts with um, an F. look on you kindly. No. Um, Do you have any other fun names for people? Uh, yeah, the dude is the not hot priest. Vincent. <laughs> is that his name? <laughs> I call him you, the not hot priest. You talking about the one that is their priest? Yeah, Vincent, yeah. Father Vincent, the one that's like yeah. head over the, no- the over evil the, asshole. Yeah, the not hot priest. Yeah, in comparison um, with the flea bag hot priest. I know that uh, we all have some personally triggering things with religion, but and I want to get to that if you guys want to share. But uh, first, I want to go through the religious men in this show and how forgettable and gross some of them are. Uh, Duretti. There's men in the show? I know. Yeah, I, know I forgot right? about the men. Like, why? <laughs> I definitely skip Dur- over <laughs> Duretti is a power-hungry douche canoe. I will say, that is all true. I do love when he speaks Italian. That's about it. That there is his go. saving grace. He speaks the, multiple languages, and that's fun to be only like, oh, thing. yeah, cool, cool, cool. That's um, Vincent is dubious from the beginning. He's, like, too good and nice and whatever. Yeah, but then, like, okay, so his arc is not also surprising because this goes into the religious stuff, too, with him, where he has that moment where you find out he's a former alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And so this is a common, like, Christian thing where it's like, I was in the dark and sinning, and then I found Jesus, and now I've repented, and I'm a good person. And so, which is a Christian theme, not knocking that. That is a Christian theme. Sin, found God, now I'm good. I've repented, all of that stuff. But, like, in the context of this show where they're, like, there's demons that prey on your the sin in your heart kind of thing, it shows you that, like, he's susceptible to, like, being corrupted. Like, you can say that, but the tendency is still there. So you get the hint that, okay, there's there's something, something here. He's not as good as he seems because people repent, but you still are susceptible to these things. And then we get to, like, towards the end where he's, like, threatening the art collector and you're, like, he's got tattoos yeah. and you're, like... What is going on? <laughs> what is going on with this dude? None of none of his. I don't know. It just didn't seem genuine to me. No, right? Yeah, it so, definitely doesn't. I will always wonder. I want to know more about how he, how Adriel found him. Jesus. And, yes, the guy you called Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is I'm assuming he's been whispering to Vincent just like he's been whispering to Michael. I think so. Um, yeah, and, and whether it was while he was an alcoholic and susceptible to like the wraith demons, or when he, because it seems like Adriel's connected to the divinium. Yep. That's so. Maybe it was when he was in the found the church and was around the relics that he could hear, but. Definitely there was whispering of sorts happening. At one time point, I don't really know. And I don't know if it's in the comics. I don't really care. But yeah, he was definitely like, he was corrupted at some point. For sure. Yes. 
Because he has this line to, I think in episode two, where he says, each of us has a moment where we must decide what we will do with our lives with with the opportunities that have been presented. So like an opportunity was definitely presented to him by Adriel. And he was like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, I'll become Adriel's bitch. Yeah. (laughs) What happens? Um, So that's Yeah, because he was his disciple. Yeah, he is. That's why why Adriel is Jesus. Bro. He worships him. And I'm like, how what the actual nuggets is wrong with you people? I'm worried about offending people with what I say about religion. We can't, we can't be. It's okay. I have a hot take on this in the show with the religious stuff. But let's get through um, the Let's get through the men first. and then let's I want to know men, that. So we can be gone forever. Yeah. All right. So Christian, who is the former priest and is employed by Julian Salvius to help her find all of the divinium, because that's how she's building her giant machine that Adriel told Michael how to build. Michael is her son. Jillian. We really want to know what happens to is the big science expert person who is both badass and annoying to me sometimes. So yeah, and I think he and her both interject another common theme with Christian stories, which is like science versus religion, and like mm-hmm. so it immediately presents the scientist as like ambitious and reckless, and they're the bad guys because they're trying to destroy the church, and it's like that never-ending battle between mm-hmm. like science and reality and faith and like the unprovable. Mm-hmm stuff so like they're the vectors of that trope and like narrative basically and he like he left the church to go to the science and that kind of stuff but and and i think he's not he's not a good example of that for me because it doesn't matter that he's renounced the activities of the catholic church the more nefarious ones he's Mm -hmm. still in service to in the end he's kind of aligns himself i think he's going to align himself with adriel in might be right and that's my take from the trailer but i honestly don't like he seems as big of a fanatic as vincent in a lot of ways and that's why i don't like him and don't trust him so he is looking for the thing yeah. to latch on to and go whole hog into service for. And oh, I think like, that's going to be Adriel for him. He just comes off as creepy to me. That's all, that's what it is. He just, it feels creepy. Yeah, I can see that. He has these moments where he's being quiet and I'm like, so I'm uncomfortable watching you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for some like, reason. And it's, I think the actor is so good at creating those moments Definitely. where you just are like dude you're intense and it's in a way i can't deal with right exactly but yeah i can totally see what you're saying it's like he's replacing the corrupt church as his belief system with like this science we've proven another realm adriel's the master of that realm that's my new god i can totally see that yep. for sure that that makes that's- sense it's like it's a uh a, i don't know that's like replacing one faith for another kind of mm-hmm. metaphor i guess or storytelling yep yeah, exactly i can see that so that's christian and finally we're going to get to the big the big kahuna as it were in adriel who is the 
as Caitlin likes to call him, he looks like Jesus in the whole Western uh, white Jesus, a uh, European white Jesus. Jesus. He's like white like European, European Jesus. Jesus boy, which is ridiculous, but whatevs. So they what you're taught in Catholic school. Like that's like um, fun fact about European Jesus and the go for it. of European Jesus, which I find super hilarious. Is yeah. So if you know the story of the Christian mythology of like Jesus, Jesus comes from like a part of the country or the country, the world, and spoke a language that white people would never be doing. So there's no way in the story that this dude was a white guy. However, when you see pictures of him in modern times or paintings or whatever, it looks like a white guy. And the reason is during the height of like the Enlightenment and stuff, when like people, the artist Da Vinci was painting, you know, Christian stuff for the Christian church, they commissioned... I think was it the video? I think it was Michelangelo that started it. I can't remember. One of those guys was commissioned to do Jesus, and obviously there was no pictures of him, so he used his gay lover as inspiration for Jesus. So all those pictures you see of G- of European Jesus, it's actually a gay guy. So there you have, <laughs> there you have it, there you have it. You're welcome. Fair enough. Been around gay Jesus. Time. Gay Jesus. So that's European Jesus. Yeah, he looks like European Jesus. He does look yes. like European Jesus. However, he is a demon in disguise from whatever realm the Tarask and the um, Wraith demons come from. And he was fleeing a Tarask demon because he stole the halo, what we know as the halo in the show, from them and ended up in the middle of a freaking Templar battle where the warrior nun and her compatriots were battling let's not even get started on the on the crusades that's a whole nother what the fuck were y'all guys thinking thing and not pertinent so much but adriel butts into this whole battle and then is like hey if you guys help me fight this demon you know, I'll save your warrior, your nun's life, basically. This woman who they revered. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. That sounds good. So he makes a deal with the Templars. And he saves Ariella by putting the halo into her. They think Adriel is an angel. So they take what they know about the world and just absorb him into their their what religious knowledge say all right well if you're doing this and you're bringing her back to life and you've got this circular thing that glows you must be an angel <laughs> guess what he's not <laughs> but hey whatever he's just a selfish a-hole um <laughs> yeah so uh adriel gets trapped what uh, I was just trying to figure out if they were doing that based off of Gabriel. Gabriel, Gabriel, the angel. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I get distracted. No, you're good. Uh, Adriel ends up, long story short, in a locked in a tomb. He is not doesn't die like everyone thinks he does. And he's manipulating people from inside the tomb because before he died, he made himself a set of armor out of the Tarras demon's remains. 
And so he's connected with that armor and using it to whisper to Michael, when, who, the one we know of, Jillian's son, Jillian's son, and getting them to do build a portal basically to his dimension so he can go back. And by telling them that it'll save Michael's life because he's going every all the kids in this damn show are dying. <laughs> kids are not well, except the one in um what country was that? Christians love suffering. Mm-hmm. That is a theme <laughs> in just Christian lore of that suffering. If you suffer through something, then you are like more superior to people for having suffered it's just it's a theme so that's what they're doing they're they're pure because they're suffering it's one of those things closer to god exactly that's a whole nother big yeah anyway thing anyway that's adriel he is back and he wants to take over everything and summon all of his demons to help him including father vincent aka the not hot priest evil asshole dude the the not hot priest all right go on okay so what i love about this so the story that you told is actually what happened with adriel and ariana ariella 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 who becomes the first warrior nun. And she becomes the warrior nun when she gets the halo. But when we first start the story, and Ava is learning about the warrior nuns, that's not the story she hears. So the story that is now myth and legend is a completely different story. And for me, like, the the religious stuff was, like, triggering, because I have Catholic baggage and get triggered by this stuff. But... It's basically used as a mechanism to tell a fantasy story. So it's like, this isn't really Christianity. It's just like, it's, it's the guise of that to tell this fantasy story that's happening. So it can make it less triggering if you kind of like break down what they're doing. So what they're doing with Adriel is they're showing you how myths evolve over time. Because the story that Ava hears, the one that's passed down to the next warrior nun who bears the, the halo. Bible. This isn't in the Bible. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the Bible too. No, no, I it, just mean it's like it's like the Bible. Right. It is it's the book of myths. So the the thought is a myth is based on a real story, but like is it what actually happened? Because for a long time humans didn't write things down. It was there was it's oral history where you would tell the story and as the more you tell stories the more they evolve. But like in this context Adriel appears to a group of people who already had an ideology, like you said, and they kind of like bring him into their ideology and manipulate the story to fit their ideology. So what actually happened is what you said, but the story that the church is telling is that Ariella was dying and she was such a great servant of God that God sent an angel and that angel gave up his halo to save her life. And then that made him mortal. So he sacrificed for her and then he became mortal and died the ultimate sacrifice for her so that god could have his champion on earth and who would kept keep passing that thing down so that's 
the story they're telling now. That's the myth that evolved from some guy who stole something he wasn't supposed to have, recognized that if he hides it within other organic material, those demons can't sense it and then won't come after him anymore. So he can hide it in this woman. So like without her consent, he just takes the halo and goes, okay. And like, she screams, like it's this traumatic event for her that happens without her consent. And he's like, cool, I survived to live another day. I will come back for that when the time's right for me and continue on my fuckery. That was what actually would happen. But the the knights are just like, wow, God sent an angel. And like, that's the story that gets told like millennia later, right? So that's the evolution of myth, fact versus fiction. Like the way we take this complex story with like, that's, you know, he says it when he meets Ava later. He's like, divinity is messy. Like you guys paint it as good versus evil, black and white. He's like, it's messy. And the reality is it's messy. He was a selfish being, being selfish, acting poorly, saw an opportunity, was like, I'm going to hide it in this girl and then I'll keep doing me. And, but then the people painted that as this heroic story where he, you know, she sacrificed, he gave her a reward. She went on to do God's will. And it's like, that's not reality. That is literally a story. That is myth. And that, basically starts this trend of these women having to bear this burden and like basically continue this fuckery without realizing what they're doing for this i don't even know if he's a demon he's just some he's from that other plane and and basically like in this story it's use it's kind of like he's like you guys every time like ava later when she meets him says oh you an angel and he's like if that's what you want to call me if that's what helps you understand this sure implying that like you know myths evolved because people saw things they couldn't explain and then put a story to it to try and explain it and so like heaven and hell was like the myth that came out of this thing with him where he comes from another i think this is literally what's happening in this show is like quantum physics like there's other dimensions and he came from another dimension but the people at the time didn't understand quantum physics so they're like those big scary things came from hell and he came from heaven like good dimension, bad dimension. So they like simplify the reality of Mm -hmm. that. Like he just burst through a parallel dimension by accident and then they saw it and they put their own story on it. And like, that's how you get heaven and hell, like in the myth that happens later in this religion. So it's like the twisting of reality by storytelling, which totally happens, you know, like reality is what people believe as we unfortunately see in our country today. Like, you know, so that's really what it is. It's not really about Christianity. It's about like the way Christianity evolved to explain reality, which is there's another dimension you can pierce and come into it. And like the halo is part of that other dimension. It's like this big power source and it's been lurking in our dimension until like these creatures who probably own it are like, we're trying to get our shit back that was stolen from us. But because we look scary, like you guys are constantly trying to kill us. Like, all they're trying to do is get their shit back. Like, that's really what it is. But by now, people are like, well, they're demons. They're bad. We have to fight them. But do we? Do we? Or are we just doing that because we're scared? And that's what we were indoctrinated to believe. Big scary thing. Kill the big scary thing. Gay so. people. Yeah, that means a metaphor for many things. But I think that, like, the Christianity is, like, a myth that evolved to explain the reality in this world, which is there's another dimension. And you have these beings made of davidium which is described as like the organic first metal and like we were explaining it as like god made this but really it's like this stuff from this other dimension <laughs> like that's exactly. all it is so that's it's why not even th- about religion really 
That's why that's the layer of it that I think is kind of brilliant. Yeah, it's fun. And you don't understand that until you get to the end and you have this guy being like, you've oversimplified this because that's what you're taught to do. But um, sure, sure. whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever you need to tell yourself. Right. Um, I just. That's the part of the whole story that I that I enjoy is that. The layers of that, and I I just think that there were ways that were, I wish that we had a more, a uh, better, maybe, maybe season two will make it better. Yeah. Because I don't feel like we have enough information. Right. I mean, this, to be fair, the first season deviates from the comics, it seems like, and it's doing a ton of world building. And the way they did mm-hmm. it was, instead of, like, giving you all the information up front when, like, Ava is learning it, it's like you're learning it exactly. in a fragmented way where the big reveal's at the end. So it's like you you can't know the full story till the very last episode. So because of that, it's like an entire season of just, like, setting mm-hmm. stuff up, really. So yes. there's definitely missing pieces, for sure. And I think that's on purpose with how they chose to, like, pace things, basically. And Absolutely. I think it's important that we're telling the story now, like, at the, the point in human history, because... The point in human history where we we come into the story is when science has gotten to a point where, like, we can pierce through the dimension and be like, look, science, look, we can get there now. Whereas, like, if mm-hmm. we came into the story with Ariella and the very first, the creation of the very first warrior on, like, you wouldn't be able to do any of that. It would just be, like, myth. Exactly. Like, we have to explain this with a story that we understand at the 1300s or wherever we are. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're right. We can't. You, you couldn't We're... tell the story. Exactly. The one that they want to tell, which is totally um, going to be interesting to see in season two. There's just there was just that huge gap because of the thing that happened that shall not be named. The the panorama. The panini. The panini. Oh, my God. <laughs> I am really tired today. Um. I'm not used to us talking about shows that have another season, and I just fully forgot that there was a second season coming. Oh my god! <laughs> Even though we're talking next week, Caitlin. Yes, yes, it's yes. It's gonna be. We're gonna get there. So, do we you have anything there. to say about the 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 churchy church religional stuff, yeah, Caitlin? I have personal stuff to say if you want. I mean, by all means. All right, so I get to just talk about everything I have issues with. Sure. Um, sure. <laughs> yeah, like, is yours. Whatever you want. Uh, speaking of religious trauma, I have to remember if it was supposed to be in this episode or another episode. No, never mind. That one's for book club. Okay, I got a different one. All right. So I have. To be quiet. Um, so I keep getting told you really need to believe in God. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. But my issue is there are so many religions. What makes Catholics think that they're right? So like, why am I being forced to believe in something that there's so many different versions of? Like, why are you right and everybody else is wrong? That's my biggest issue with this. Yeah. Like, 
totally. You're telling me to you. I have to believe in something. No, I'm with you. That's totally. mine too. Me too. No, I'm like this. What if you were wrong? Then you dedicated your life to what being wrong, and you won't know until it's over. Yeah. And you know, maybe we just disappear. Maybe our, like it just goes away. Maybe there's nothing. Who knows? We don't. But I'm gonna trigger my panic attacks now. Sorry. Existential Sorry. crisis. Ugh, that's not. That's okay. Well, I'm going to move on from that slightly. It's a common thing in this family. So my brother, the jokester he is, and problematic jokes. Um, he told my mom that he's going to start his new uh, his own religion, where they all worship monkeys because of evolution. Oh, <laughs> boy, did she not like that? Well, then, just so that was, uh, that's kind of like the science and the religion thing. Starting fires there is what he's doing. Oh yeah, no, that's a common theme too. But we won't go there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean. We won't get into this, but just to comment on that, it's like, I think that if you're religious, like, cool, I have an issue with people trying to force their belief systems onto other people. And I think that some people with belief systems, especially with this whole anti-science thing that's going on, have this misconception that people that like science is a religion or it's not. It's like, we're not, we don't believe in science. It's not, I don't believe in science. It's like, Science exists and like it can explain things, right? It's not a belief system. It's not like it's always, it's right no matter what. It's like, no, it's a form of discovering reality. Like, and it changes. And I feel like people who are so indoctrinated in religion, which is like faith, even when it seems wrong, don't understand that like science is not a religion. It's, it's a way to rationally explain the world through a method and through reviewing and through all these. So it's going to, by nature, it will change. And so like, there's this conflation that happens where it's like, well, science is a, and and it's kind of presented in this show a little bit as like, it's the alternative belief system to like ancient Mm -hmm. mythology where it's like, it's not, it's not a belief system. It is, it is something else. It's a discipline. It's something else like, but it gets conflated. And that's a perfect example of like, oh, we're going to believe in monkeys as our Lord and saviors because of, that's what science believes and it's like science doesn't believe anything science is not a belief system they're not the same so yeah no i completely i kind of don't it's hard with this show because it's once again even with that you're even with conflating science and religion you're simplifying they're simplifying it to the point where it's good and evil uh, all over again. Yeah. But it's putting something complex in a simple box. Yeah. yeah. And they're, they handle it as well as they can, I think in, in the show, but it's still. It, it kind of makes it, 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 in my opinion, like I know, I understand why they're doing it, but in my opinion, it makes those characters like Christian and Jillian, mm-hmm. it makes them more one dimensional. Absolutely. That's you what know? I'm trying to say. And that's it what makes, makes them- it makes them annoying as characters sometimes because they're just, they're very like extreme on this one on the spectrum and like they're polarizing characters. And it's like, 
I, I don't like that. It, then there, it's like lazy writing to me because they, they're forced to put them in this like trope, basically. They're just as fanatical as the people who are religious zealots. But yeah, in that's, a different way. Right. And, and, and I think so, that's on purpose. It is, but yeah. it still makes Jillian really annoying to me and Christian Correct. really creepy to me. Right. It makes, yeah, it makes them creepy and weird. I, I totally agree with you. But it, yeah, it's again, it's a show, science zealots. That's what it is. But it it makes them very one dimensional, like in, in the show, in my opinion. It also made, also all of that um, condensed Jillian's storyline to being about a mom and that also oh my god i fucking hate that i hate when they do that because if you're a woman it has to be about you having children or a man or one of those things like one pick one it's either about you can't be just a a science lady that has you know about dimensions yeah yeah you can't just be trying to discover stuff but you have to have a kid or there's no, no I, motivation oh, for her. I hate that plotline for her because she's portrayed as like one of the smartest people in the world. But her her big failure is that she can't biologically have children. And that mm-hmm. bothers her so much that she finds a demon dimension. Like, get the fuck yeah. out of here. If that if Jillian, if Jillian was the person that left the church and she was Christian and Christian was the, the scientist. There's no way in hell that's his plot nope. line. There's nope. no way in hell he figures out the dimension thing because he can't have kids. It's such a gendered plot line. I fucking hate it so much. Like it irks me. Cause like, there's no way in hell if you made her a man, that would be the plot line. There's no way. Right. In hell. That doesn't make if, any fucking sense. If they were reversed, his plot line would be about, Ambition. I need to find the truth. Right. It's literally ambition. Yeah. Because men, masculinity says you can be ambitious, but women, it's like, no, especially in this Christian narrative. It's like, no, your number one thing is having babies and you can't have a baby. You're a failure as a woman. So she's like, I'm going to fucking figure out through science how I can be a woman. It's like, get the fuck out of here with this. I hate those plot lines so much. It's just gendered and fucking annoying because it would never happen if she was a man. Some really badass moments in the show, and yeah, yeah, she's a cool character. But it's like, why does this have to be her motivation? Why can't she just be like, I have a kid, he's sick, I'm trying to save him? That's an ungendered plotline. A man would could do that too, but it's no, it's about I couldn't have kids, I'm a failure. Get out of here, you're like the world renowned physicist. Get out of here. That's a such a stupid plotline. I can't stand that. It's lazy, in my opinion. I hate it. Like the voiceovers, I am like the. <laughs> this is like the voiceover. Yeah, it's a fun show, but there are some things that just really bother me personally. I can't stand. That. Like I don't know from a writer's perspective why they use the voiceovers. I get. I mean, I know I have theories like we've talked about. Yeah, but, but I hope that goes just, away in season two. <laughs> it never feels completely. I just it just doesn't work for me. No, it feels very shoehorned. I just don't like it. It doesn't feel organic to me. Absolutely. But. Yes. Unless, do you guys have anything else to say about this part uh, before we move on to the women? The women. We love women. We sure do. do. Let's go to the women's section. (laughs) All right. So uh, part part three of this whole fun time in Warrior Nun is the women. And we're going to start with Beatrice. Yay! My only note. Is hot and gay. Hot and gay. That's all you need to know. <laughs> that's it. Her, it's the season two. 
I gotta say, I'm really glad that they didn't put her in nun clothes. We'll, we'll talk I, about that later. But we yes. will. We'll just, I, yes. I call her the stoic badass. She's incredibly intelligent and <laughs> and a big nerd. She obviously can read and speak multiple languages and fight. Like and it's no fight. one's business. Yeah, <laughs> ma'am. So ma'am. they have created ma'am. the perfect woman. Yes, yes. <laughs> and her name is Sister Beatrice. Yeah, she even has an accent. Like, like, come on. I know. God damn it. She is the reason I kept watching the show. I was like, okay, maybe I'll keep watching and it'll get better. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then she got more lines and it got better. Sister, she, in my opinion, made the show for me personally. It was Beatrice. And I'm really glad that we get more of her in season two. Judging from the trailer. Mm-hmm. Very excited. Uh, so, yeah, Beatrice is the one that we, the nun that we are with the most. Because she's the one that's with Ava the most, I think. Um, well, we do get a lot of Mary. We'll talk about this, I'm sure, in like the Ava Beatrice section. But like Beatrice is the one who gets Ava to open up first. Exactly. I think that's the main thing. That's the and main why thing they have more scenes together. Yeah. Whereas Mary scene. Mary interacts with her, but it's like it's abrasive up front and not mm-hmm. like and Ava doesn't respond to that. Like because in a voiceover (laughs) Ava and Beatrice are getting food and in a voiceover Ava says that Beatrice is more approachable than the other nuns and so she's going to try to talk to her and that's how that all starts and yes Beatrice is much more approachable and a more She's also a good therapist for Ava, I think, is what her role is, in a way. She strikes, I mean, I have, I'm i sure we'll get into this later, but just as an overall for the character, she strikes me as somebody who's very um, introverted. Whether she's actually introverted or had to become introverted because of the way she was treated is another story. But at this point in time, she seems very, like, she internalizes a lot of things. She seems like a wallflower character who sits and observes and then speaks when it's like poignant to say something. So she was like the first one to really observe Ava, just observe her without like trying to impose what you want on her, which Ava doesn't, Ava is selfish at this point and doesn't really respond to. Like Lilith is like, oh, you have the fucking halo. Let's like be an, be a warrior right now. And, and Mary's like, you need to do what we need to do for the mission and stuff. Whereas like Beatrice is like, I'm just going to watch you and figure you out kind of thing yep yeah so she seems like that in in general about a lot of things so because of that she's very like strategic and like able to uh strategic she's very uh she calculates a lot of things so like when it comes to the their team dynamic she's the one who comes up the strategies she's the one who has like a million skills so like later she's like hey i'm the expert in explosives and like things like that like she's like i can set it up so that it's perfect like she's very like analytical and um able to like stay calm under pressure and she's very disciplined i that's the best the word best word for for beatrice she is disciplined in no matter the scenario and i think it comes out a lot in that scene i forget what episode but when like the the stoop the 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 sociopath nuns 
come onto the scene and mm-hmm. be, has the sparring thing with her mm-hmm. where she loses because the other one cheats and she's like even after like she gets stabbed with the nunchucks that the woman whips out of nowhere which is totally not part of their sparring thing like there's a moment where like Beatrice is like holding her side and and she's just like to her sisters puts up her hand like wait wait I got this and she like finishes the whole thing by doing the bow and like like because that's Beatrice she's like no matter what I'm gonna see this through I'm gonna stick to my principles like I'm going to stay disciplined. I'm not going to let you see that I'm hurt and all this stuff. And I'm just going to be stoic as fuck and go sit down. And then when they refight later, she's like, yeah, I was watching you really closely the first time. Like I'm willing to lose uh, a battle to win the war. And then like completely kicks her ass because she's like, I watched exactly. you. I studied you. Now I know how to, I, I've strategized now. Like that's who Beatrice really is. She's the the strategist. And that was the fight with sister Crimson. Who has like one of those names. Sister Crimson. Who? Sister, who? sister Fuckface Part Two. <laughs> she's that girl is so creepy. She is so creepy. She's the actress is good at being creepy. Totally good at being creepy. Which one is this? The one sister Crimson, the one the Scottish, Scottish accent. accent, the one that comes in that um the, the pope one. the pope boy brings in. Duretti brings in as like to replace all the warrior nuns when he's like, y'all gotta go. You're not loyal to me. And he brings in all those other nuns that are like She's super rejects. tall. Yeah. I remember all the other ones. She's the main one. She's the main one. The She's other the ones don't one. talk. Yeah, the other ones don't say anything. Oh. She's the one that Beatrice fights. Yeah. Twice. Beatrice fights her. And she shows. Oh, you probably didn't get that far on your rewatch, is what I'm assuming. I'll send you the scene because it's pretty good. Like, yeah. But, okay. Uh, so yeah. What do you yeah. have anything to say about Beatrice, Caitlin? Um, I have a line that I liked. What's that? I forget who she says it to, but she said, "You can always count on me to be faithful." And then she pauses slightly and says, "To God." This is like, the Pope. Whatever. To Duretti before he's the Pope, because he, yeah. he in that yeah. moment he's trying to be like be loyal to me, and she refuses to give him that. She's like, no, I, like she sticks to her principles. She's like, I am loyal to God. God is the one that tells me what to do, not you, man servant. And that's when he's like, mm-hmm. that's when he brings the sociopath group in. After that, when he's like, I have no loyalty here. I need to put my own people in here. Yep, that's when he knows he's got to get rid of her. But that's. That's a that's a hallmark of who Beatrice is. She's very principled and sticks to her principles. She doesn't um Just to, like, fuck com- around. Yeah, but like to compare her with like the the next character, essentially we're going to talk about Lilith, whereas like Lilith is super ambitious to a point where she can be manipulated. Beatrice cannot be manipulated because she's not ambitious like that. She's just like I understand my role. I understand who I report to and like, I can't be compromised based on my principles kind of thing. So that's like a comparison between like those two characters. Absolutely. Yeah. I also just love a stoic character because that's just my jam. So same. She hits all the buttons for me. Yep. So many buttons. Yes. She's dreamy. Anyway, she is moving on to Lilith who 
I think I'm going to let Theora take most of this because... (laughs) Yeah, Theora loves Lilith. Theora loves Lilith. I'll put my two cents in and then we'll go to Theora. I spend... I love the times when Lilith softens and she kind of gets a little more human towards people in the story. And I do think she's dealt a really raw hand but so is everyone else in this show (laughs) uh there's a reason she's driven and obsessed with being the warrior nun and it's because that's like that's the ultimate thing of her that's like that's your job that's the one thing that you were here for on earth is to be the warrior nun someday and so that's like i think she's invested her her worth in succeeding in that role and the being the leader of the nuns and the order of the cruciform sword but she's obviously being thwarted by this person who has the halo and is not even appreciating what she's been given because to lilith it's like a huge honor and she's acting in in ways that are and it's also like, why are you guys letting her have this? You know that I'm supposed to be the warrior nun. So can't we just take this thing back? And so she's dealing with that, those emotions and also dealing with, well, if we do take this out of her, it's going to kill her. So she has to like go, like go with it and then deal with her own situation. And then the whole pull it being pulled into that demon dimension happens and who the hell knows what happened over there with her. And then she comes back and I think she's fighting whatever darkness was kind of put into her or maybe fighting herself in a way. So like I understand her story and I appreciate it for what it is, but the character annoys the fuck out of me and I want to slap her. She annoys me too. All right, that's the end of my my thing on Lilith. Go ahead, Theora. Uh, first of all, Lilith is hot, so there's that. So there's many things that are unforgivable with a strong woman who's attractive. I'm just saying. I guess that's where we're at an impasse because I can appreciate her beauty, but I don't find her like. That's okay. yeah. So with her. Um, I like her arc throughout the whole show, personally, because I think she has the most growth, even more than Ava, who was just annoying the whole time and like fighting everything and then reluctantly like changes at the end, which I think Lilith Lilith has a more interesting, she has kind of a similar arc, but it's different. Like, I like the way it's done. And with Lilith, I think what's really happening here is uh, generational trauma, because in the show, they explain that like, her family had six halo bearers over three centuries. So she's like seven. She's potentially the seventh of her family that's a warrior nun. So she comes from this like long, she's a, she's the legacy, right? And so her family is basically like, we expect this of you. Like this highest honor, it, we expect this of you. So she was like indoctrinated to believe by her family that like, it's going to be you, it's going to be you. And her family sacrifices nuns um, to the church to sacrifice themselves to be like the halo bearer right and so she like she has in her head that i i'm gonna be this and so she spends her whole life training for it and then doesn't get it and so 
because of the way like this generational trauma is working on her, she has too much ambition to the point that it is actually a liability to her. And that's what happens with Doretti, where he preys on that to get her to come on his, like away from the mission of God to his mission, which is more in line with her ambition, where he's like basically saying like, I don't think Ava should be the the warrior nun either. I think it should be you. And like, you're very loyal and you've proven yourself. And it's like playing into her ego with her ambition. And she's like, yeah, yeah, that all makes sense. That all makes sense. Like, yeah, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get this thing that like I'm supposed to have, that I've been bred to get, right? Born to receive. I think I'm the chosen one. And so like, she was raised to believe that and then is manipulated into like trying to kill Ava because of, Doretti playing into that. And he's like, I'm in a position of power to like actually give this to you. And I think it should be you too, but you need to get rid of her first. And she's like, all right, that's what I need to do. I'm so ambitious. I'm going to do it. And then it just completely backfires. And then when they're in the scene where the, the demon, the Taras demon comes after it, cause Ava's being a dick and runs away and they start fighting with each other because Ava can't accept her destiny. And then the demon shows up. And when the demon goes to actually kill her, Lilith intervenes and actually saves Ava's life. Cause like, again, Lilith at the end of the day, like is in this order. She does really believe in it. It's just her, she she let her ambition get the best of her and she was manipulated because of that. But at the end of the day, like she is loyal to like this whole cause and she makes this ultimate sacrifice and ends up in the other realm, whether or not she's been corrupted by darkness. I'm not sure i think that she was shown what actually goes on in that realm and is having trouble kind of dealing with that um because later when they're in the crypt or whatever she's the one that shows up and is like she can't go in there she can't go in there like i think she knows something from that other realm but like it's like flittering in and out of her mind perhaps but like that experience of like stepping into the darkness or whatever like going too far into like your ambition I think is like what Lilith's arc really is and then she comes out of it and is like processing her trauma and she processes that with Mary who like is her sister no matter what her behavior is and and so hopefully like she's able to really get past more of that in season two um but yeah I agree she's you know she's stoic and she seems heartless and just all about the mission and because that's what she was she was bred to be a warrior right And that's what warriors do. So by the end, she gets much more humanized and is much more relatable, like you were saying, Brie. But she's a girl that was manipulated by men. That's what she, that's, that's what happened. She was manipulated by somebody in power that she trusted. Um, So it's not entirely her fault, but like that was, that happens to people, right? It's not such a, it's not such a improbable thing. And that's just, what happens a little and it's very sad but she you know grows from the experience at the end and puts her differences behind Ava and she's like yeah I get it like it's supposed to be yours like it didn't reject you like I understand all of that it's just like to to want something so badly and be taught that it's yours and then you not get it and it's given to somebody who like is such an asshole about it it's so fucking frustrating you're like god damn it like you shouldn't have like you're just being a dick like about this thing that I've wanted my whole life like that's a lot to process in like three days. So like, give her some credit there. I love that we're it's seeing really, it. I'm sorry, go Caitlin. I was going to say, it's really hard when someone else gets something like that you like really want and you don't think they deserve it. They don't even want it. <laughs> she was like, I don't fucking want this. Like, it's like, dude. <laughs> I just love that we're coming at the this from the two 
absolute opposite perspectives of like you and I, meaning like I get where Ava's coming from more and you get where Lilith is coming from more. And I think that's the beauty of like sh media and shows because you can, yeah, I don't know, like we can talk about it and like analyze these characters and it's just a really awesome way to interact with other people. And we kind of get to do that for fun. And also, yeah, hence the podcast. Yeah, so it's a gift. But also, what's by Caitlin, what's particularly cool about this situation is that the characters are actually doing the same thing. They're both being mm -hmm. selfish. It's just in a different form. Yep, exactly. So, like, yeah, <laughs> they're basically the same. It's just, it's a different plot line, but they're both, they're, at the end of the day, they're both selfish, and that's their flaw. Both of them. Yes, they're opposite sames yeah exactly uh yeah so so mary i get lilith no i got one. Oh, you got one got, let's hear ooh. it let's hear it no it's it's not actually about lilith she's just in it and this is the only place i could figure out where to put it okay let's hear it so it's another line thing so lilith i believe it's lilith who tells this nun who i forget her name when they're all waiting for the shift change and she's like, like patience, oh, like no. telling her to have patience. And she's like, I can have patience. Come on, you stupid shift change. Yeah. And I just really like that scene. So Camilla. you like Camilla. Is... Yeah. Oh, she's, she is in here. I didn't know who she, she is. Sorry. Is. Damn it. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I like her. Camilla's you know what? adorable. What Camilla's the most do? like you. Yeah. She's a puppy. <laughs> I have okay. her written as lost puppy, Camilla. <laughs> I'm but gonna... We'll, we will get there. Okay, I'm gonna tell you my Mary thing, and then I'm gonna let you just do the rest of the episode, because obviously you can just see me, like, dying over here. I need a nap. I'll still be here. But I won't be here. So, Mary, I'm just gonna tell you right now, I love how, how nonchalantly she just kicks Ava off the cliff. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's all God, I have it was to beautiful. Say. It was beautiful. <laughs> I love Mary. Mary is the heart. She is my other favorite character, is Mary. Mary okay, is bye. The, okay, we love you. Bye, Caitlin. Mary, the least nun like, which is something that Ava notes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's true. And. She's also the heart of the order, I believe, in my in my opinion. She's the heart mm -hmm. of it because everyone kind of looks to her with even if they don't know that's what they're doing or really consciously feel like that's what's going on. But Vincent does it. I mean, he relies on her for everything. And Mary had such a deep relationship with with Shannon, which Hi, that's kind of gay. I I really think they were just together. Can can we talk that. about that? Can we yeah. can we the picture on her desk? Thank you. What the fuck was that? It's literally on Shannon's desk is a picture of Shannon with Mary behind her, like doing this hug where she's like hovering over her shoulder. What group of platonic friends do this hug? That doesn't make any fucking sense. And then when Mary was, or when Shannon was dying, Mary, like, their faces were like, 
she was way too upset about Shannon dying for that to be friendship. Like, I'm sorry, that doesn't make any sense. There's no way. They were gay together. I'm sorry, but that's... They were gay together, for sure. (laughs) Well, I mean, isn't Shannon gay in the comics? Yeah, in the... Yeah, there's the canon queerness to for shannon mm-hmm. so so that's a thing i'm with also, you also even in the flashbacks with flashback with them it was gay so gay so gay so gay and that's what okay so that annoys me though because it's like framed as platonic stuff by the way people talk but i think at one point like mother superior is talking to mary and she's like i know you guys were close and i'm like just they were gay together like obviously <laughs> like it's Even one of those things, like, <laughs> no one, no one will say out loud because it's yes. not supposed to happen in the whole. Because you know they're super duper, they're fucking nuns, okay? <laughs> Technically, they're nuns, fucking nuns, but whatever. Um, they're nuns, so we can't talk about it. But yeah, they're totally, totally together. I can't. I can't. It's hilarious. I just love it. They, they were cute too. They were cute. Oh my god, they were so cute. Also, Mary is the one that actually gets through to Ava in a big way when she chases her all over freaking creation. Uh, yeah. I do love the scene with them when they're hiking back to that village, and like Caitlin said. Mary ends up pushing her off the cliff. But the whole the whole thing between them, I really liked their dynamic. So I I love that whole the hiking scene. Well not the I guess like the not the scene, but like the sequence of events from the hiking mm-hmm. to the village. And then when they stop in the cave and we get Mary's Mary's backstory. Mm-hmm. And she basically says that it's kind of similar to Ava, where Ava, like, had a normal life, basically. Her parents were visiting in Spain and got in a horrible car crash where they died. She was paralyzed and then never left the orphanage in that country that isn't hers. So, like, her whole life is turned upside down by, like, the loss of her parents and this, like, paralysis. Mary had, like, a similar-ish thing happen where at eight, her mother was given a life sentence in prison because... Mary's mother killed her abusive father in self-defense. But, like, Mary's like, she's a black woman. So, like, she didn't get the benefit of the doubt there. They just gave her a life sentence for murder. That was it. Even though she, like, her mom saved her life, too, and, like, paid the ultimate price for it. So Mary was orphaned, in a sense, at age eight because her mother was not dead, but, like, shoved away in a prison forever. Yep. And, you know, she shows Ava in that moment, like, she's like, hey, you're not the only one that's been dealt a shitty hand like because at this point you're angry at the world because you were dealt a shitty hand but like hey other people have also been dealt shitty hands and like have moved have found way found purpose in life and that's that's mary's big thing like she found purpose in what she's doing whereas like ava is just flailing because she's lost she has no purpose and that's like a theme in the show and that's like that is a christian theme is like finding purpose and like devoting you know devoting your life to the purpose and that's kind of what's being presented in this story in this show also and importantly mary fucking calls her out she's the first person to call her out whereas like beatrice shows her kindness mary gets to the point she's like listen because she's very blunt and like upfront about stuff which ava fucking needs and she calls her out and she says you're no better than a child confined to a bed 
everything revolves around you because it had to. Like, that was your life. Like, Mm -hmm. the world revolved around you because it had to. But, like, hey, shit changed. Like, so either, like, and she tells her, like, hey, if, if being such a, if your life, being you is such a big burden, Ava, like, then, like, take that thing out of your back. Like, if this thing is such a big burden, like, get rid of it. Like, get rid of the halo. Like, then don't carry it. So basically telling her, like, either, like, you carry this thing and all the responsibility that comes with it and you get to walk around and be alive. Or, like, if it's too much for you, like, cut it out. Like, because this means something to us. And, like, you're destroying our purpose by, like, acting recklessly and selfishly. And so she presents it into a way that, like, Ava can understand. And that was so huge because that's kind of like the turning point for Ava to be like, hey, maybe I can find, I can do good with this. It's not just about me. It's about other, what I can do for other people too. And that's what she sees in the town, which is like that moment with Mary, like that whole day or two that they spend there, like helping people, like mm-hmm. shows Ava, like maybe I can, I can do for others what I wish could have happened to me. Coming. Kind of yeah. Uh, that is absolutely what, the only I think that was the only way to get through to Ava is to straight up be straight up blunt with her and give her a mirror. Yeah. To say like this is yeah. this is what's going on. This is what this is how you're acting and we get your situation, but like this is not just about you. So Yeah. And Mary also, unlike anybody else at this point also understands that Ava is selfish. So for Ava to be the warrior nun, Ava has to come to her own conclusion to be the warrior nun. So like the whole time they're there, she's like, I'm leaving without you. Like you do you. I'm not kidnapping you. I'm not forcing you to come with me. I'm just showing you what your life could be like and you need to make your own decision. And she's confident that Ava's going to like make the decision to do it. Cause like really what is the alternative here? But, like, she's like, I understand that Ava has to make the decision. I can't force her. Because you force her. And then she's like, no. And she rebels like a like a fucking teenager and runs away. So Mary was the perfect person for this. Because she's like, I get I have to be. Mary's super patient. She's like, I know I have to be patient. Even though we're running out of time. And now it's, this is frustrating. But I get it. She has to make the decision. And so. And ultimately, like, that's what works. Is, like, Ava coming to her own conclusion. It's the only thing that could work. Yeah. I will say, yeah. There, there's one scene that I found hilarious in that I think when they sleep in the church that night, Ava wakes up at some point and goes and looks at this holy statue and it's like, it looks like it's crying. Yeah. And she's like, oh my God. And it reminds me of the Dairy Girl scene with the crying Jesus. Yes. And I'm just like, who did it better, Warrior Nun or Dairy Girls? <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. Oh, I did not even think about that. And I just rewatched Dairy Girls. That's I, great. I, I think it. I think Dairy Girls because in the Warrior Nun, it's just like a water dripping from the ceiling. Yeah. Whereas the Dairy Girls, it's a dog peeing and the pee yeah. falls on the statue and it goes way too far. <laughs> that one wins for me, but I do like the way Ava l- realizes what's going on and is like... I thought I would have a sign. Okay, exactly. She's like, was I chosen? Fuck. Because, <laughs> again, like, it, it, again, that speaks to Ava, too. Because if God is being like, look, I chose you. This is your path. That would be the scene versus, like, that is really a depiction of, like, Ava, you need to make up your own fucking mind. There is no yep. 
divine intervention. Like you need to fucking choose a path to walk. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I love Mary. I fucking love Mary. I, I'm, I'm, not, I am wor- I'm worried for Mary. <laughs> if she's dead, I'm I... be fucking pissed if she's dead. Grr. If Adriel killed, if Adriel killed her with that crowd of people, that mob. I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I, I forgot about that until I rewatched it, and I was like, oh shit, I must have blocked this out of my mind. I'm scared. I want Mary Bryant. She's not in the trailer. I know she's not in any of the any of the anything. Time. So I get why she wouldn't be though. They're trying to like. I know. Okay. I know. I hate it. All right, moving on to Camilla. I don't have a whole lot to say about Camilla. Uh, okay. I will say, uh, what do I want to say about Camilla? She is a lost puppy. And I love that she's also like super geeky, like Beatrice, but she has the, um, she's more like the tech guru. Of yes, the game. she is. Yeah. And, and I, I think she's like, um, I think she's like the, the novice, to like she obviously she chose to be Mm -hmm. a nun she chose to be in this order but she's like untested and is excited about it so like she's like a puppy where she's like we're going on a mission like but she's so cute and she clearly like really cares about them and like is like scared like she's like scared and like nervous but like like failing and she wants to prove herself and be part of the group but you know she's just adorable and she has a lot of great lines that i fucking love she really does she's so cute Camilla's adorable and geeky, and also the person, like, I don't think anybody would be, the story wouldn't have gone to the place it was without her being, still being in place at the order, and being able to do things from inside that they couldn't do because they were now outside, being kicked out of the order. Um, Basically, she makes a really big choice to stay loyal to her family, which basically is what they are, and say F you to the Cardinal slash Pope at that point. Is he the Pope at that point? Whatever. It doesn't matter. Say no. Just be like, no. And also Sister Crimson's scary, so (laughs) like going against her. (laughs) I love her line, though, when she makes that choice. And basically, like, all the other Sis, her sisters are being backed into a corner by like the sociopaths and she comes mm-hmm. out with a machine gun and she's just like I hope I got the sign from God right yeah. <laughs> just, that was amazing <laughs> I flipping so love funny. it she <laughs> is the best addition to this yes. group I agree I love her she's like the comedy and like the heart like a heart in like the where's her heart in her sleeve character yeah she's very sweet and like yep. later with Lilith, when like she's struggling with coming back from the other dimension, and she's like, "I made my mama's nettle tea," and like she's yeah, just so she cute. takes care of Lilith, and I yeah. love the scenes with them, and oh, she's just so sweet. She is. I, I think that that really helped. Totally, yeah. I mean, you need that because yeah. like the the group before that, before she joined, was just all these like individual like st- really stoic people, and then she's like. What are we doing, guys? Like, she, you know. Mary is the heart, but Camilla is the glue. Yeah, exactly. She's like a glue person. Exactly. Yes. She's the one that kind of keeps everything together in the way that she literally is keeping everyone together. It, yeah, exactly. 
So love her. Love her. Would like to see more about her backstory. Yeah, I know. She's like the one character we really didn't get from the main group where we really didn't get a backstory. So hopefully there's time for that. Okay. Yeah. Mother Superior, who is at the beginning sort of a portrayed in a, as a bit of a, a hard, stiff, and almost a villain in some way because of her loyalty to the church and by extension Duretti, but she comes through in the end and kind of, I think she kind of like sees herself in these girls, her and her like as her own, cause she was a warrior nun before. And then as she kind of sees what's going on and how Duretti's manipulating things and doing things behind the scenes and lying to everyone and how a lot of this is, is just kind of not fair to the order. And she does not agree with him replacing the, it really starts when Duretti replaces the current warrior nuns with the rejects, AKA sister crimson and her psych and her sociopathic buddies. Uh, I say that because she displays traits of sociopathy. She, not saying she's we're not diagnosing her she's, no they also describe her as such in the show so mm -hmm, i was just going off yeah, the language in the show exactly yeah we're going that's what we're, we're using we're not trying to diagnose this character no but, no 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 uh yeah so i really think mother superior comes when she comes around she is the best ally to have on your side because she is very capable and very intelligent and obviously has a long history of sur of surviving terrible battles so she knows what's what's up and how to help everyone and organize everyone i think she was also dealing with her own personal stuff before she got to this this point mm -hmm, for sure so she had her own personal shiz with ava's thing yeah. So like in, in I guess this structure she's basically like the a former warrior in a sense. Mm -hmm. Like she she obviously was like part of the OCS and then was in line to be the next halo bearer. But throughout the show there's this legend or myth that it the halo can reject hosts and but nobody knows really if that's true or not. Mary's just like I heard it. I just heard it. And then we find out in a moment with Ava that Mother Superior is the one that it rejected because she finds the scar on her back and is like, oh shit. And she's like, yeah, it rejected me. I wasn't worthy. Because when when Ava first comes, Mother Superior is like Lilith, where she's critical of, of Ava because Mother Superior was like groomed for this. Got it. And then it rejected her, which has to be psychologically traumatizing for sure. And then she stays in the organization. So like that, what a strong woman for having to do that. And so when Ava comes along and she's being a little shit about it, like that has to hurt because like she obviously wanted it, believed in this organization, had the opportunity and then was denied it and seen as unworthy. And here's Ava being an asshole about it. So like that had to rub her the wrong way. Um, and when she's describing, talking to Doretti and describing the rejects, like you get the sense that Mother Superior really believes in like the structure, the way it exists and like 
believes in the rules and all that stuff and she's like they shouldn't be here they failed like they're not worthy it's like this worthiness theme too like um they're not worthy to be here they shouldn't be here and she starts seeing like the cracks in the hierarchy and how the organization is being manipulated so that other people can gain personal power which is what Doretti's whole arc is and so she's like questioning 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 until like the very end when she's like oh fuck we were manipulated but it wasn't by you it was by um the not hot priest that was being an asswipe um but with mother superior and she also like when you first see her she's come comes off as very unfeeling cold kind of per- like the distant mother a stepmother kind of kind of figure because we're seeing things through ava's lens but there's a scene later where the Doretti essentially takes over and he like sends the unloyal nuns away when like Beatrice learns she's being sent away the not hot priest is being sent away Mary's being sent away like he's getting rid of people that aren't loyal to him and replacing the organization with people loyal to him so a power grab is happening and Mother Superior goes with it because that's the hierarchy like it's coming from him it's coming from the Vatican I can't that's the hierarchy and Mary calls her out and she's like She's like, I know, like, you present yourself as somebody who doesn't care, but I know, and you keep your distance, but I know it's because you actually care too much that you won't get close to us. You won't really show us how affectionate uh, you are and how much you actually care about all of us. So, like, it says a lot about how Mother Superior was really forced to, like, put up her own kind of walls the way, like, Beatrice does um, in order to, like, exist in this role after being, like, rejected by the Halo. And so she's a, an incredibly strong person. And I'm glad that we see at the end that, like, she does care. Like, she cares so much um, that she even, like, has that nice heart-to-heart with Ava that I think meant a lot to her. She's like, hey, like, look, you're worthy. I get that now. Like, I'm sorry. It's basically, it's like, I'm sorry I reacted that way. It's like my trauma. I get it now. Like, it's fine. Like, I will sacrifice myself for you kind of thing. Because I she wholeheartedly believes in, like, what they're doing. Like, Beatrice does. And she's a badass and a hot warrior. And, like, yes. Fuck you, Halo. <laughs> I like those scars. I think the shoes just kind of... Meant Such a badass. Something. I think she was needed to come into her her knowledge. I think she needed more time. That's That would be my read of the situation. She needed more time. Become Mother Superior. Yeah. I hope we get more of her next season. Um, <sighs> so, unfortunately, we're going to talk about Sister Crimson. Ugh. Who creeps me out. Yep. Big time. Big Kudos time. to... I don't know. That's like one of those things where if I met the actress in, in person, I'm not sure that I could get rid of, totally get rid of the whole sister crimson in my head yeah she's so good <laughs> uh she isn't she's like she's not a nun she is not a nun come the heck on no <laughs> she's just a violent angry just using this position to rain down violence and awfulness on everyone that Doretti points her at. She's kind of like the the nun from the orphanage. Like if that woman had been given a gun, mm. she would have been this woman. Just like I'm gonna murder. Like if you know? she had been trained in combat, you're you're right. This is 
this is like that woman's daughter issue. <laughs> right. No, totally. Like the younger version. Like mm-hmm. had yeah. I walked a different path, this would be me. Yeah. Scary, totally. scary lady. Yeah. Using her position to justify all this crazy violence as a means to an end. Yep. However, yeah. she is a little too confident in her own oh, abilities. Yeah. And Beatrice gets gets her in the end. Because she's Hot. Beatrice and she's effing amazing. So yeah. Yeah. Crimson. Um, I don't know if we're gonna have to deal with her this coming season, yeah, but I hope not. She's alive, so maybe. Maybe, but maybe uh, we're gonna yeah. maybe it'll just be in a very glancing <laughs> type scene. I Hopefully hope so. nothing extensive, but yeah. I don't think I could take that much of Sister Crimson. Me neither. My cup runneth over of Sister Crimson just from the scenes we got. Yeah. Um, it was pl- but, a plenty. Yeah, too much. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> on to more pleasant things, our last woman on the list, Sister Shannon, who in yeah. is canon gay and the true leader who happens to stumble upon the knowledge that everything she is being... She figures out that Vincent is sus, basically. And she kind of finds out that all of this is the the warrior nun and the other members of the OCS are being manipulated to carry out an agenda that is not their own. And she finds out way too much information for Vincent to be okay with. And so he basically assassinates her because... He's a fucking asshole who's obsessed with Adriel. So we are deprived of Sister Shannon and Mary being adorable and awesome together by this asshole, Father Vincent, and Adriel by extension. It's very sad. I wish we could have had more time with Sister Shannon. I really enjoyed her when she was on screen. And she's also smart enough to figure out that Vincent's um, a skeevy, conniving bastard. Yeah. And I think another thing, all, literally all of that, and another thing I think is important to point out about Shannon is she really, she shows, not by like being on screen, by the remnants of what she was doing, mm-hmm. that the warrior nun although is part of a sisterhood is ultimately isolated by the burden of being the halo bearer. That's just part, it's part of like being a leader and having a responsibility nobody else has basically. And so there's a, this quest to essentially get into the room adjacent to Shannon's room because Mary can't let the dead lover thing go. And it's like, there has to be something so she finds this, but Ava phases into the room and finds this book that essentially has like stories from every single Halo bearer ever. And the room is really cool. Like it's like this little alcove in between kind of like walls and it's got this glowing gems and the book, but it's, it's like sad though. Like, well, it's really cool, but it's like, this is all that's left of these women. And, and it's just like, Shannon had to go in here and like, basically read stories about the only people that can really understand her like it's really it's it's sad when you actually think about it and 
that's like a foreshadowing of like Ava, like Ava, this is gonna be you too, girl, you're gonna be hiding in a crypt with the only people who could possibly understand you is like from this book, um, which is really sad. But it also shows like how clever she was too, because she left this message essentially of like, hey, I don't trust him, which say the name, girl, what the, that was stupid. But like, <laughs> she leaves this message um, to the only person who could un- who could get it would be the next Halo Bear. So like Shannon was incredibly clever. And from hearing about her through the other characters, like she was basically like the ideal person to be in this position too, like the best leader. Um, she was obviously like a good sister, like all of that stuff. So it, it is tragic that we get like glimpses of her through Ava's memories. Um, but yeah, I wish we had, I, I hope we get to see Shannon in another aspect of the show. Um, I'm a little upset at now knowing about the comics that her queerness wasn't explicit and it's almost treated like platonic. I'm hoping that's because we have Ava instead, but like that would have been nice to just be like, yep, and move on. But all the signs are there that uh, that probably was the case, but she is not the focus of the show, but still. Yep. Shannon was a character we really wanted more with, more time with. So unfortunate, but here we are. Here we are. We, we've got the story we've got, and we're going to see what happens in season two. But for now, we're going to end this part of our Warrior Non coverage because we can't possibly fit the gay into this episode. It's no, just too there, much. No, no, no. We need to talk about it in extensive, extensive. In, so, as lesbian Jesus would want. Precisely. You know, you we have to analyze it. this. Uh, what and would hydrate. lesbian Jesus do? Yep. So get your hydration of choice for part two, which is gay warrior done talk. (laughs) Thank you for making it this far with us. Yeah. At least you had the women at the end. We didn't have to talk about too much of the The men. So Mm -hmm. thank you. And we will catch you next time. Yeah. Bye. And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all of our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. And please subscribe and like all the things. If you happen to be listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review, no matter how brief. This is what Apple uses in their algorithm to uh, help us gain a wider audience. So please, please, please help us out. Yes, and please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you about everything and anything. And if we like it, we'll probably give you a shout out on the air. You can find us at all the things Twitter at Big Gay Energy Pod, Tumblr, Big Gay Energy Pod, Instagram, Big Gay Energy Pod, or you can email us at biggayenergypod at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for lesbian Jesus.